0: Good morning again. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. For us to be able to go through the Word of God and hear what the Lord has to say. As we look around us, a question I guess we could all say or could all ask is, is what can we truly be certain of? Right? There's things in our lives that, that seemed fixed not too long ago have changed. Much around us has changed. Things that we we would never have thought of have changed. We've had our routines set up and we were content in those routines and they're changed. They've changed a lot over the past year. Uh, This last year with COVID and all the turmoil and changes that have come have showed us that very little in this life is certain even in the midst of this uncertainty for even for many believers there's fears and doubts it is not there uh, it's not the uncertainties of the world it, it's also the the lack of truth and the abundance of false teaching in the world The lies of Satan. Well, what do we do? What do we do in the midst of chaotic circumstances and uncertain times? Well, we go to God's Word and we find assurances regarding the character, the works, the promises, and the will of God. Now, today we're going to be looking at a particular passage in 1 John and I love 1 John in that John is very clear, whether it's in his gospel where he says the the purpose is that you may believe. But here in 1 John, he says the, the purpose is that, so these things I have written in chapter 5, verse 13, I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know, that you may be certain that you have eternal life. Absolutely sure. We live in a world that has very few absolutes. But you can be absolutely sure of your salvation. The you world is full of lies, but you can know that there's absolute truth. You can be certain. The Bible, First John scriptures are full of absolute truths. In a world of uncertainty, you can be certain. Now, in this time of tumult, this time of chaos, we're going to be looking today at 1 John chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Throughout the epistle of 1 John, John has been giving doctrinal and moral tests so that believers will know and live in the certainty of their salvation, so that they will have assurance. And he ends this epistle, ends his epistle in chapter 5, verses 18 through 21 with three certainties. Now, I want you to live in light of those uncertainties. I want you to embrace those certainties so that no matter what's going on in the world around you, whether you're dealing with external chaos and pressures or, or uh, of, of COVID and, and, and external sicknesses and chaos and trials, or whether you're dealing with false teachers, it doesn't matter that you would be certain of what you believe, would be certain about the absolute truths of Scripture. And so today we're going to look at three certainties. Believers, you can be certain that you can have victory over sin. Brethren, you can be certain of the state of the world. And brethren, you can be certain that you know God. So let's go ahead and look at the text and then we'll, we'll dig in. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourself from idols. So, the, the first certainty, the first point that John is making, and, and he has three in a row, staccato like, he says, We know, we know, and we know. Right? The word there for, for know is, is an intellectual understanding, it's a full perception of, you have a full grasp of these important truths. And John's including himself. And he says, so we know that no one who is born of God sins in verse 18, but he who is born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. So when we think about what we know, John says, we know that no one who is born of God sins. Now, when we think about this sinning, we often say, well, does that mean that we can have sinless perfection? And that's where a little bit of Greek actually helps where there is sins, it, it's a present tense for Jordan out there in the audience this morning. It, it's, it has to do with a, a continual and habitual lifestyle of sin. Because when we think about unbelievers, that's what they do. They have a lifestyle of sin. Now, we, we've mentioned this passage as we have been studying the book of John. And when you think about John chapter 3... John chapter 3, verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. But he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds... Will be exposed, but he who practices the truth comes into the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So we see a difference between the light and the dark, between believers and unbelievers. We have a, a an unbeliever loves his sin; he loves the darkness. First John chapter one. Back in this epistle that we're looking at, verses 5 and 6, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So first of all, believers, the, the certainty is that you can have victory over sin, Because you know that believers, we we don't continually sin. We don't live a lifestyle of sin. Unbelievers, Ephesians 2 said they walk according to the world. They indulge in the flesh and the mind, Ephesians 2, 3. They're lawless. When you think about lawlessness, you think about sin, it's it's a rejection of God's authority. You reject His truth. You reject the truth. In fact, First John John actually says that in verse 8 of chapter 1, if, they, if we say that we have no sin, in other words, that our hearts aren't sinful, if we don't have intrinsic sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, in other words, if we say that we have not committed individual sins, we make Him, we make God a liar and His Word is not in us. So, lawlessness, sin is is rejection of God's truth. It's rejection of God's definition of sin. And it rejects God's grace as the remedy for that sin. See, that's the world. The world lives in sin, habitual sin. It loves its sin. It it embraces the darkness. And so, as, as true believers, we hate our sin. We don't live habitual lifestyles of sin. It doesn't mean we don't fall. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Right? There's uh, the Wesleyan domination and, and also the, um, well, and others as well, Methodist-oriented. They believe in perfect sanctification. They have that doctrine that you can be perfectly sanctified in this life. That's a falsehood. We can't be perfectly sanctified. If you're perfectly sanctified, then you're with the Lord. You have a glorified body. But John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, He said, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin, and no one who abides in Him sins. Sins continually, habitually, as a lifestyle. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. So the one who abides in Christ, is in union with him, will not live a lifestyle of sin. But the one who does not know Christ lives a lifestyle of sin continually. Little children, in verse 7, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he, Christ, is righteous. But the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Verse nine No one who is born of God practices sin continually, habitually, a lifestyle of sin, because what? His seed, the Holy Spirit, abides in him. And the person cannot sin because he's born of God. Doesn't mean he can't fall into sin. Doesn't mean we don't we don't lapse you know our failures or we despair or we become depressed or we have lapses in faith and lapses in judgment and and then we sin and we fall but we don't love our sin one of the thing's when people struggle with assurance one of the things i ask is is do you love your sin if you, do you hate your sin hating sin is a is a is a evidence of a work of the holy spirit Unbelievers, they love the darkness. They love their sin. They, believers, we only, we only hate our sins. We not only hate our sin, but we, we accept God's definition of sin. So believers, you can be certain of victory over sin. Because he says those who have been born of God, born out of God, it's talking about being born again. It's a work of grace whereby the Holy Spirit regenerates the person, illuminates the mind, frees the will. Gives the person a new nature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So believers, you can be certain. Be certain you have victory over sin. Because you have the Holy Spirit. Sin is inconsistent with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Working in your hearts. Convicting you of sin driving you to repentance, bearing fruit in your life as you submit to Him. Romans 6 says we, we've been freed from slavery to sin, and then we willingly become slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness. Chapter, one, excuse me, chapter 5 of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, he says, whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. So an evidence or a characteristic of believers is that they they love God and they love others. They love the fellow members of the body of Christ. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, we observe His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So there's love, love for God, love for His people. There's obedience, a willing obedience to God's commandments, submission to His will. And for whoever, verse 4, is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Brethren, you can be assured, you can, have a, a, you can be certain that you're going to have victory over sin if you have faith in Jesus Christ. What a, wonderful, uh, what a wonderful, not an emotion, but truth. And we can be assured of our salvation and know that even though we're, we at times may struggle, but we have the resources necessary for victory. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We have the Word of God that instructs us. We have fellow believers that hold us accountable but John keeps going and he says, We know that no one who was born of God's sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. You see, God preserves his people. Not only do we know that we can have victory over sin because of our, 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 our condition, the fact that we've been born of God, our new, new position, we also know that Jesus Christ the only begotten of God, not that He was created, but that He was sent. We know that He is the one that He keeps us. He keeps Him. right? The word there, keep us, is an awesome word. It's, it's so providential that that Peter read, John 17, because the word, it's the same word used in Ephesians 4.3. Paul says that we are to preserve the unity of the Spirit, preserve, keep, guard. God guards us, He keeps us, He protects us against the schemes of Satan, the temptations of Satan. Satan may seek to de- devour us, and He seeks to tempt us into sin. And we will lapse at times, and we will fail, and we will fall. But the great thing about this certainty is that, and the evil one does not touch him. Now, the word there is not that, that Satan is going to touch us. Like, I, I find myself echoing my father as we're riding in the car, and I turn around to my kids and go, John 4, 4 is greater Is he who is in you than is he who is in the world? You see, we all have lapses of sin. We all have lapses of doubt, despair, times of unbelief, falls into sin. But true believers will not love their sin and wallow in it. Pig falls into the mud. What does he do? He loves the mud. A sheep Falls into the mud, and what does the sheep do? Sheep wants to get clean. And that's a picture of us. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Believers, you can be certain that you are a child of God if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be certain that you have victory over sin. Don't give up. Don't go into despair. Be certain. What a wonderful truth. God protects us. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. What a wonderful truth. You can be certain that you can have victory over sin. Well, not only that, believers, you can be certain of the state of the world. Look down in verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And What an important truth. In the aged in the time we live in the the chaos, the turmoil, Satan loves chaos, God is a god of order. Satan's the opposite of that. he loves chaos, he loves fear. but one thing about Satan says we know that we' are of God first of all, and, and John points this out that that we are out of God we 've been born again we, we have a new position in Christ. John actually says in the gospel, of John, that that we have been given the right to be called children of God. We've been called out of the darkness, called out of this world. Though we live in the world, we're not of the world. There's two realms. There's God and Satan's. 1 John 3.10, just so you can see this. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. There's a distinction. The world that we live in lies in the power of the evil one. There's two realms. God redeemed us and He saved us. John wants to make sure that you understand that off the off the bat. We know that no one of God sins. He who is in the Word of God keeps Him. The evil one does not touch Him. And then He describes the world. And he said, describes us. Excuse me. And He says, we know that we are of God. So, he's pointing out that important truth. We are not a part of that world anymore, anymore or this world. First Peter says, we are aliens, we're strangers. Think about, it, in one sense, I'm a resident alien of Australia, right? It's not my home, it's not where I was born. We're we're resident aliens. We live on this earth, but we are not of this world. Our minds have been renewed. We we see the truth. We understand the true reality of things. We look in the world and we we see the world of corruption and, and evil, and we know it's caused by sin. We see how sin is indiscriminate and sin is intentional. How we're victims and we're perpetrators of sin. We also understand the definition of sin and how it's an a front to a holy God and it's not living up to God's holy standard and we accept God's definition and we also accept God's remedy for that sin. Know that we are innately sin and apart from God's grace, we are under His wrath. John says that we know we are of God. But then he says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We've got some new moms here in the church, and wow, it's a wonderful thing to see these new moms and they're, and they're, they're cuddling these, these beautiful babies, and babies are just kind of laying in their arms. That's the picture John's using. The world lies, just is lying in the, in the arms of Satan. And the Greek literally is the, the, world, the world is passively, just, pass, just laying there calmly under the influence and dominion of Satan. So when you think about this world that we live in, the governments of this world are energized by Satan. Daniel 10.13, an angel comes to Daniel and says, "I, I I was prevented from coming to answer your prayer because of the prince of Persia. I had to call Michael, the archangel, to come and help me. There's a spiritual reality behind the physical reality. Governments are energized by Satan. The economic economies, economic uh, situations of all the world are, are controlled and dominated by Satan. The religions of the world are all dominated by Satan because they, they don't lead to God. They're foolishness. The entertainment industry and on and on is all dominated by Satan. So we see chaos and we see sin and we see evil. We shouldn't be surprised. And that's what John wants. He wants you to be certain about the state of the world. But no, the world lies in the power of Satan. He blinds people to the truth. So they can't see the light of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.4. Remember Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, put on the, the whole armor of God for our struggle is against what? The forces of darkness. For people who love the world, 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 he says, "Do not love the world nor the things in the world right because if we're not of the world why are we loving these things And we know that Satan everything lies in Satan's power and is corrupted and is sinful if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. the world is passing away and it's lust but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, we still see glimpses of the glory of God in His creation. And God is sovereign over all these things, even though Satan is Satan's dominion at this time, until Christ comes back to rule and reign. But we see a world that is, that is corrupted, a world that is carnal. The world lies in the power of Satan, and it opposes the will and the plan and the kingdom of God. He just says, if they hate me, they'll hate you also. So just know that when you see the world, you can be certain of its condition, certain of its state. Brethren, also, he says in verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, and His Son, Jesus Christ. So not only can you be certain that you can have victory over sin, and you can be certain of the state of this world, but you can be certain that you know God. What a great privilege. Christ has come, John says. He says, know that the Son of God has come. Jesus came. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We behold His glory. First John Sorry, John chapter 1, verse 14. John is writing from experience. John saw Christ. In First John chapter 1, verse 1, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested. And we have seen and we testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. John saw Christ. Christ came. He's the full revelation of God to man. He is the invisible Sorry, He's the visible representation of an invisible God. Same essence of the Father. He's deity. He's the light that illuminates men. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we can't understand truth of the light of the gospel. Without Christ, we can't understand God. We can't know God apart from Jesus Christ. And He's come. And he said, he, John says, He's come and He's giving, given us understanding, right? apart from God's work in our hearts, regenerating our hearts and illuminating our minds, we can't understand truth. We won't accept truth. Now, don't get me wrong. Unbelievers can understand facts about Christ. They may have a, a basic understanding of sin, but, but what they won't accept is they won't accept God's definition of sin. They won't accept the truth was the reality the way God sees it. They won't submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing their sins and agree that they're sinners. See, Christ is giving us understanding, and that understanding has allowed us to know God. Wow. Through Christ, we can know the one true God. He's given us understanding so we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true. This is the true God in eternal life. You see that repetition there. It's truth. He's the true God. Even whether it's John's age or it's our age, there's always lies of Satan. There's always a false idols in this world. Because people reject and, and they suppress the truth. And so we're naturally made to worship, and so you, you, what do you do? You, you, they worship the creation rather than the Creator, Romans chapter 1. They worship themselves, and we see this. You see, we, we can know the true God. Wow. We don't have to stumble in darkness. We have the Word of God. He's the true God in eternal life. We can have eternal life forever with the one true God. Wow. So in the midst of all the chaos in this world, when when people, false teachers come up to you and and try to persuade you to believe a lie, you can know, no, I know the one true God through Jesus Christ. I have eternal life through Him, and I can be certain of that. You see, our faith is real. Real. Christ. It's in Christ. In Christ we can know God. I remember when I worked as a as a vendor, I was in a, a convenience store, a gas station, a petrol station, whatever you want to call it. And I was in one of these stores and uh, they had this TV on the wall. And I remember looking up at the TV and there was a guy on there and they were asking him a bunch of different uh, religious type spiritual questions. So it kind of piqued my interest and I kind of looked and stopped and and uh, one of the questions somebody asked, you, asked him is, um, what, do you, what do you think about God? And he said, well, I believe God is a, is a, a force, is an, is an energy. It's always existed and will continue to exist and it indwells all things. I kept thinking he's been watching Star Wars too much. You see, people have ideas about what God is, but they don't know who God is, right? And the only way to know God is through Jesus Christ. So you can be certain, that's John's point here, you can be certain of that. Christ has given us understanding so we can know the truth, we can understand what sin is, understand that we have a need for a Savior. And no one who is a Christian, sorry, no one is a Christian if they don't believe in Christ. If you don't believe that in His incarnation, if you don't believe that He lived a perfect life, satisfying the demands of the law, if you don't believe that He died a substitutionary death, that He rose again, that He ascended to the right hand of the Father, you are not a Christian. You can call yourself whatever you want. You're not a Christian. You see, Satan wants this world to lie in darkness. Because he wants to be worshipped. Satan wants to take glory away from Christ. He wants people to to not know the one true God. The world is full of his lies and full of his deceptions. Believers, you can be certain. We know the one true God of Jesus Christ. And we have God's word that reveals his character and his nature. Praise the Lord. We don't have to stumble in darkness. We don't have to figure it out on our own. Through God's Word, we know of His His works, His mighty works. We know of His promises. We know of His will, of His character. We know Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news. You can be certain. So, brethren, John ends this and he ends it, if you, if you just kind of read the ending in verse 21, it seems, seems a little odd at first. Because he's talking about the things that you can know, the certainties. And then he adds, little children, guard yourself from idols. Where there is protect yourself. You, can't draw, you have that imagery of putting on the full armor of God. But you guard yourself from idols. You guard yourself from anything that's going to destroy your fellowship with God. That's John's point. Go back to the very first chapter of 1 John. He said in verse 3 of chapter 1, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's about fellowship, right? That's the point of being a Christian. Not that we go to church and take communion and be baptized and do all these religious things. It's that we may know God through Jesus Christ and we may worship Him beginning now and going on into eternity John says, look, guard yourself from those things in your life that pull you away from your devotion to Jesus Christ, that come between you and the Lord. After you understand those certainties, that you can have victory over sin, and you understand the state of the world, you understand that that you could actually know the one true God, but you have to guard yourself. You have to protect yourself. And you guard yourself by obedience to the Word of God. You guard yourself by the fellowship and accountability that comes in the body of Christ. And you guard yourself by submission to the Holy Spirit. When you think about idols, idols come from, for us as believers, from forgetting God. We forget God. All the home groups were studying, judges, and over and over, the Israelites, they forget God. What is forgetting God? Well, they, they neglect His will. We forget God when we neglect His will for us. We know what God's will is, and we, and we ignore it. And then we show ingratitude for His blessings. How often has He blessed us? And then we have a prideful, self-sufficient attitude. And when we have the neglect of His will, when He's showing gratitude and we're depending upon ourselves, what does that do? That leads to idolatry. Because we're dissatisfied with God, we're dissatisfied with what He's provided for us, and we greedily want something else. It becomes an idol in our lives. We need to know, brethren, that Exodus 34, 14 says, God, whose name is jealous. God is a jealous God. He will not allow His children to continue in a way that dishonors Him, and dishonors His Word and His calling as upon you as a child of God. He will work discipline. But fellowship, that's what the point is. Guard yourself in those things that, that destroy your fellowship. Brethren, we're in such a state now. The world is full of bluster, full of self confidence. We talk to people pre COVID and they were they were doing pretty good. But we get to see through all this tumult, all this chaos, all this uncertainty, we really get to see in the hearts of men and women we see fear, we see anxiety. Their their carefully orchestrated lives are all upended, and and they don't have any control, which they never did to begin with. It was all an illusion. When they find out that they don't have that control, and their their lives are upended, they're, they're shocked, and they're afraid. Brethren, when times of tumult come, when chaos reigns, you can know that the Lord Jesus Christ... Is the one reigning. You can be certain. You can be certain that that you can have victory over sin. The battle's been won. You have a new heart. You've been regenerated. You're a child of God. And you're protected by Christ. Satan can't pull you back into the darkness, he will tempt you to fall, he will try to get you to fail. But your position as a child of God is eternally secure. You can be certain of that. John also says that you can can be certain of the condition of this world. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, brethren, if things continue to get worse and worse and more chaotic. Don't be surprised if if the world turns publicly against Christians. They hated our Lord, they'll hate us. Don't be surprised If you're called names because of Christ, don't be surprised if there's repercussions. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But even as powerful as Satan is, he who is in us is more powerful than he who is in this world. We are aliens and strangers. And Satan knows his time is short. He can read the scriptures just as we can. He knows the end game. He knows that Jesus Christ is coming back to rule and reign. Brethren, you also can be sure, you can have certainty that, that you can know the one true God in the midst of a world that denies absolute truth, in a world that seeks after its own pleasures and its lust, in a world that, that raises up religions of, of many different stripes, that blurs the line, or tries to, between true Christianity and false You can know for certain that you have a relationship with the one true God. You have fellowship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Brethren, my prayer is that today that these truths would warm your heart. These truths would encourage you. These truths would give you assurance to face uncertainty. We don't know how long our situation this earth is going to last, our lives, every day is a gift from God. And my prayer is that as you live your life, that you would honor the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would live out your faith through your obedience to His Word. Pray for you to be dominated and controlled by the Spirit, that you would reject the love of this world and understand that, the world's time is short, and that Christ is coming back. Brethren, just know, no matter what, your child, your, your position and your status as a child of God will not change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of uncertainty, these truths are certain. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can go to your word and we can see your character and your nature, can understand your will for our lives and be encouraged. Lord, I pray for the brethren that are scattered around, Lord, that they would seek after you. Lord, in the midst of all this turmoil, and when they're tempted to have fear and anxiety, Lord, that they would turn to You and Your Word, and they would, they would trust You, and they would read about Your character, and they would praise You, and they would trust You, and they rejoice that they know the one true God. They can worship You. Lord, right, I thank You again. Lord, I pray for Your will to be done. pray that You'd use this time to draw us close to You. We trust in that, that you're working all these circumstances to our good, Lord. But in our hearts, we desire for it to be over quickly, that we may be gathered together again as one body in person. I thank you again for the way that you provided. And just pray that you continue to work in each other, every one of our lives, each other, for your glory and our Christ likeness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.